our privilege in the name of Jesus the Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and we thank you that we can come together to worship and sing your praises. We pray, Lord, that uh, we will be open to hear all that you have for us this morning, whether it be through songs of your word or through prayer. We pray those words that you give us, Lord, we will take to our hearts and live them out. In Jesus' name I pray. So, we are on the way. That's the series we're doing at the moment. The way to a renewed life. And the last couple of weeks, uh, Barry has given us humility and truth. And this morning, he's asked me to speak on hospitality. Now, I don't know whether he's aware that hospitality is not one of my strong points. Well, it could have been that uh, God put it here in his mind because God is very aware that it's not one of my strong points. It's not that I mind opening up our house to a guest. It's just that I don't think I'm very good at it. You know, the, the mind hosting and ordering in the crowd. I just doesn't get that comfortable for me. Now, so I have been delving into hospitality. But it did remind me of a, uh, an incident that happened quite some years ago. It was actually with my first wife. And uh, we knew a local couple as acquaintances and they uh, had a shop and uh, I knew the guy through uh, being in the Journey Supper Club in South Australia and uh, we only knew her through just going into the shop. Anyway, my wife met her in a shopping centre and uh, apparently, as they were just talking, she had, or they had, sold their business and they were keen to get to know us a little bit better. So she invited us up to their place for a meal the following Saturday night. So we rocked up at the appointed time and as soon as she opened the door we knew that she had forgotten all about the invitation. The look of horror on her face when she saw us said it all. I don't know whether you've been through anything like that but we you know, there was a porridges and that's okay and we just could not be put up the embarrassment all around. It's not a very pleasant situation to not feel welcome. I guess it's safer these days to take out your mobile phone and you text the previous day and say, we'll be round about six, is there anything you want us to bring? What you're really saying is, this is a reminder in case you've forgotten. Anyway, in my study of this subject, hospitality, I was heartened to realise that, and this is probably something you all need to know, that it's not just about opening up your door to guests. It's much more than that. So I looked the word up, as you do. And here are a few synonyms describing the word hospitality. Welcome, friendliness, warmth, kindness, love, generosity. 
And I'm so relieved because I can do a couple of those things now and again. Our reading today highlights the difference between supposedly opening up your house to a guest and showing hospitality and someone actually showing hospitality by being warm and loving. It's from Luke 7, 36 to 48. And I'll just get out my... Um, then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, but she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. The denarii apparently was about one day's pay. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the, the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her, her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. It's a great passage, isn't it? Three main characters. Jesus completely in control of the situation, as always. Simon, the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus into his home and showed no hospitality, a fact that Jesus had noticed, and a sinful woman, an uninvited guest who showed what hospitality was all about. So the first question is, why was Simon so rude? Did he consider Jesus not worthy of his attention? Yet he had invited Jesus into his house we aren't told the exact reason why he invited him. But we do know the Pharisees were watching Jesus very closely to catch him out. 
this invite that came after Jesus had been speaking about John the Baptist and he also criticised the religious leaders for their hypocrisy. There were a few Pharisees in the house that didn't like John the Baptist at all. They probably didn't like the way he lived out in the wilderness and the way he presented himself, which was rough and unkempt. And they certainly didn't agree with him baptising the Jews who came to be cleansed. They also didn't like Jesus. He supported John and were even baptised by him. He mixed with sinners and things that he was against, all they believed in. Maybe this is it. I'm only speculating. Maybe this was what was behind the invite. Some of them would invite him to his home and then they could gang up and take him down. But they hadn't, in, they hadn't counted on the sudden intrusion of a lady of the night. Just imagine the scene. You know, there was a lot going on. You know, the people milling around, taking their places around the table, food being brought in and drinks being served. And then incident. There might have been about a time when the, the, the Pharisees were plotting of how they were going to verbally attack Jesus. But as he walked in, aha, he was over the whole room. Everyone everyone except Jesus. She was a sinful woman. What is she doing here? She, she has no right to be here. So he watched her. She stopped behind Jesus. As soon as she stopped behind him, she suddenly started weeping uncontrollably. Her tears fell like rain onto his feet. She bent down started to dry them with her hair, then bent down, bent down even further and started kissing them. And then she anoints his feet with perfume. The other guests couldn't believe what was happening. Here was Jesus, and he just seemed so relaxed about what was happening. Didn't he know who she was? Simon even said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would know she was a sinful woman and would stop her attacking him straight away. The woman, I do wish we knew, we knew her name, but we don't. <coughs> I believe she had heard Jesus preaching the gospel previously and she's taken him to her house. It says in verse 47 that her many sins had been forgiven. So she had heard him speaking and she had taken Jesus to her home. Then she had heard that he had been invited to the Pharisee's house. And she had the chance to get close and thank him personally for the fact that he had saved her life. She enters the house and uh, in those days it was quite easy for her to do that because they're usually an open house where people can come in, the guests are seated, but people can come in and, and listen close by. So she had no trouble. And she got close to Jesus. That's what she wanted to do. 
and there's a drop up for him and thank him personally. So as soon as he got there, he was so overwhelmed by the testimony, by his presence, by the love and grace that he had shown her. And as that issue that filled her heart, her feelings just overflowed and she just could not stop the tears flowing. She cried her eyes out. And I wanted to show Jesus just how much love she had for him. If she could have, she would have looked up and she would have cried out. Don't you know who this is? This is Jesus. You have Jesus in the room. He can save your life. Don't you know how blessed you are? But all she could do was bend to his feet and let him know how much she valued the forgiveness he had shown her. Jesus then thought it was about time to let the disciples know what was going on. So he told him a parable. It was about two men who owed money. One owed ten times the amount that the other one was. And they couldn't pay. Neither could pay. The money lender cancelled the debts and Jesus asked, which of the men would love him more? Simon was quite pleased with himself for answering correctly, saying the one who owed the most. But then he was humble and brought down to earth. Jesus looked at the, I just love this, he looked at the woman that spoke to Simon. You see this woman? Have you been paying attention? Do you know what's going on? From the moment she walked in, she has not stopped washing my feet, drying them with her hair, kissing them, and then anointing them with perfume. You did not give me water to my feet. You did not welcome me with a kiss. And you did not put oil on my head. All the things Simon should have done were nurtured in Jesus to his heart. Let's go back to when Jesus said about the moneylender cancelling the debts. He didn't ask which of them would be more, most grateful or more pleased. What he said was, who would love him more? I think he's trying to make the point to Simon that the parable was about him and the sinful woman. The woman knew how much she had, that she knew she had been extremely sinful. But Simon probably didn't consider himself sinful at all. The woman, because of where she had been in her life, had been forgiven completely. She poured out to Jesus the love she had for him and for the debt she felt she owed. The Pharisee didn't feel the need to be forgiven and had no, and had no loss for Jesus at all. So the invitation to Jesus was there. The house was opened up to him, but the only hospitality came not from the host, but from the uninvited guest. Imagine I invite you to uh, a party at my place. You know, you, you come along and the door's ajar and the, 
the party's in full swing, so you come in. You look around and you... Go, for, go to get a drink. It's always good to have a glass or a can in your hand. Feels more comfortable with that. I'm across the room and I'm talking to someone. I just look up and acknowledge you're there and you carry on talking. Well, I did say I wasn't very good at hosting. So the party's in full swing and you're standing there alone. How do you feel? When someone comes into this church for the first time, I have to feel welcome. I have to feel noticed. I have to feel our hospitality. I read somewhere it said that people will will forget what you said. They will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. They won't forget how you made them feel. The way forward for us is to have hospitality as our second nature. Some of you are already there, but some of them, some of you, like me, might struggle. The Holy Spirit is there to help us to choose the right course of action. And remember, just what hospitality is. Friendliness, generosity, love, welcoming, warmth. And throughout the Bible, there are great examples of hospitality for us to learn from. One comes from the well-known parable, the Good Samaritan. You know the story. Jesus told when a man is attacked and left by the side of the road, half dead, and first of all, the priest ignored him, then a Levi did the same, then along came a Samaritan. Of course, Jesus was talking to the Jews at this time, and as Barry pointed out, they didn't like Samaritans. They were half-castes. And so, of course, naturally, Simon put, uh, <laughs> Jesus put the, Sarah, uh, the uh, Samaritan as the hero of the story. This comes from Luke 10, 33-35. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where a man, the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have had. This is an example of what hospitality can look like. Helping someone in trouble, if necessary, paying for their care, and following up to make sure all is well. Jesus, of course, showed how hospitable he was throughout his ministry by never turning away from anyone in need. Jesus, as we know, came to this earth to spread the gospel and ultimately die on the cross to save all, that, all those that believed in him. Jesus' teaching was having a remarkable effect on those that heard his word. After the Sermon on the Mount, we read, 
in Matthew 7, 28 to 29. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard preaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. What a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. But soon after, with the crowd following, Jesus began to perform miracles with his power of healing. And in some cases, he asked the person not to tell anyone about the healing they'd received. He didn't want this side of his ministry to overshadow what his main task was, which was to proclaim the gospel and to save us from our sins. He also didn't want to boast about his achievements. He had, as the Son of God, this awesome power to heal, cast out demons and even bring people back to life. But as Barry pointed out last week, wasn't it? Jesus was a very humble man. That's the the chapter that we're going through. He was a very humble man and had no desire to bring the spotlight on that part of his ministry. With the people now flocking and wanting to hear his teaching, it became apparent that he was also a lot wanting to be healed. This was quite understandable. Here was a man, it seemed, just by a touch or word, could heal anyone from any ailment. And this is where we see the hospitality of Jesus at full strength. By the time he was teaching quite a crowd, when a man was lowered down through the roof, the only way that these his friends could get him to Jesus. Jesus stopped preaching immediately and healed the man. Where there was a need, Jesus would respond. Once the disciples, often the disciples would try to protect Jesus from the crowd, but Jesus would have none of it. In Mark 10, 13, 14 and 16, when some people came to him bringing little children for him to touch, the disciples tried to discourage them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and told them, you must let the children come to me. Never stop them. And he took the children in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. Jesus was always welcoming, always generous with his time and always hospitable. In Mark 10, Jesus said, I have come not to be served, not to be served, but to serve and serve who did. Are we able to emulate the sort of loving behaviour that Jesus showed? Acts 2, 42-47 gives us a precious picture of what hospitality and generosity look like when lived under Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
or sell property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's a great example of how people can live together, sharing, being generous with each other. It comes down to following Jesus and having the Spirit of God within us to show us the way. Have we a heart for others? A heart that is always generous, always compassionate, always gracious? It is what's in our heart. Are we unselfish enough to always put others first? To think of others without judgment and always with love. All these, all those attributes are, of course, ideals. And we would all struggle, I believe, to constantly maintain that attitude towards others. God doesn't expect us to handle those high standards with our own strength. If we ask him, the Holy Spirit will help us to get somewhere close to where we should be in God's eyes. Some of us might be travelling along through traits in our personalities that that are at odds with the standard Jesus set. And we will need constant prayer to get to where God wants us to be. I have a confession to make. Most of my life, I have had a selfish attitude, selfish thought. I'm saying that was never that blatant, as in my defence. But I know in my heart and deep down, I always tended to make sure, number one, before anyone else. You know, I'll just give you a bit of a picture of where I come from. My mother first had a daughter. Then she had a son who died when he was six months old. Then she had another daughter. And then I was born. So with two older sisters and a mother who doted on me, I guess the seeds were sown for me to think more highly of myself than I ought to have. I've helped people and I've been generous and shown kindness to people. But this streak of selfishness just every now and again let me down. And I had to ask God to help me to overcome it. And praise the Lord, he has. We as God's people, as God's people, need to come before him, lay ourselves at his feet and ask for help to overcome anything that is holding us back from being the kind-hearted, generous, giving, loving, hospitable people he wants us to be. In Hebrews 13, 16, it says, 
We can show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness to others. For these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. Our acts of kindness delight God's heart. Jesus showed us the way with love, compassion and grace. Hospitality is love in action. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for always being there for us. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. You are a great God. Lord, I, Lord, I, I help you. I ask you to help us to take action with all that we hear from you. Whatever we hear from a, a song or from scripture or from prayer, help us, Lord, take those words with us and apply them to the way we act in situations or the, or the way we act towards other people. Lord, it's not just about hearing what you want us to do, it's all about doing what you want us to do. It's about putting into action your will for our lives. Lord, you have saved us. You have forgiven us all our sins. Help us to live our lives in thanksgiving for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus has saved us. There's no need to have debt or pay or victory lap. The Lord is our Saviour. Let's stand.